Hi, I'm Julie Morgenstern, and welcome to Time to Parent, the podcast that will give you more time, less guilt, and deeper joy. Today, we have another skill-focused episode. This episode is all about mastering what I call selective perfectionism. I coach a client named Rebecca. We all know what it means to be a perfectionist. Perfectionists put a lot of pressure on themselves to do things extremely well. Perfectionists tend to think of things in extremes. Things are either amazing or it was a total disaster. There's no in-between. For parents, though, perfectionism can be exhausting and actually make their job impossible. Striving for an arbitrary notion of perfect oftentimes leads to way too much overwork and not enough presence. That's what I saw with Rebecca, a working mother of a 12-year-old boy and a 6-year-old girl. Let's jump in with Rebecca discussing how she feels. I'm someone who's always put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. And, you know, that's just part of who I am. I have very high standards for myself. And I think that it's definitely bled into my parenting without me almost noticing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's a lot of literature and discussions out there nowadays about how to parent and what kind of parent you are. Um, So that's all swirling around in my head as I'm making decisions for myself and for my kids. But it's it all comes back to, you know, if you just work hard enough, you can be like the best. You know, you can be you can do it as as best you possibly can. And that's I don't tend to cut myself a lot of slack when it comes to being, you know, I, I hate to even say the perfect parent, but I guess that's what it is in my mind. Yeah. So I would ask you a couple of questions that make comments. So uh, first of all, when you say you put a lot of pressure yourself to be the most perfect parent you can, right? Or be mm-hmm. the best you can. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like what you're really saying is not the best you can, but the best there ever was or the best there is. Because if we're just trying our best, we don't have to be perfect. We did our best. You want to, mm-hmm. you have this sort of external image from all yeah. these books of like perfect is X. Something you're I'd aspiring say that's to. True. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about perfectionism, when I think about it as applied to life in general, but to parenting in particular, is that you humanly cannot do everything at the level of perfection you aspire to and cover all of the jobs as a parent. You can't. It's just too much. So you have to kind of break. The perf- even the striving for perfectionism. I think the hardest thing in the world to tell a perfectionist is, listen, if I told you this, hey, everything doesn't have to be perfect. Just make it good enough. What would you say to me? I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think I would just want to say, what is good enough? Exactly. <laughs> what, is, what is that? I don't know. You can't find it. Yeah. yeah it's an what's... ambiguous yeah. target. Yeah. What is good enough? You can't even begin to imagine. How how do I yeah. know what good enough is good enough, right? Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> I invented 
uh, this strategy that I call Max Mod Min that gets you out of that. Because I do think telling people just stop when good enough is good enough or make it, it you know, doesn't have to be perfect is a meaningless piece of advice. Mm. So here's a totally different way to do it. For any task, anything that you need, that you're about to encounter, that you're about to do, whether that's counseling your kid having dinner, preparing dinner, the house, the cleaning of the house, even teaching your kids about how to clean, all of that. Before you do it, stop and ask yourself to define three levels of performance for that very task. What is the maximum I could do? What is the minimum I could do? And what is the moderate? So okay. max, min, mod. Okay. And then you, and once you define that, then you're going to choose which one you're going to do. So let's take it and apply that to something daunting that you have to do that you would put a lot of pressure on yourself to do really perfectly. Something on your to-do list or... Um, organize the playroom okay. where most of their toys are. Okay. So you want me to go through it? What's the max okay. that you could do? Give me the most perfect, amazing, you're like the most brilliant mom, perfect mom, got this right. What does that look like? We weed out all of the things they're not using and donate them appropriately. We get all the toys organized with their right pieces in a container, placed in the room in, in the best possible place for them to be able to access them when they want them. And as we're doing this, clean the room, you know, vacuum dust make sure it's actually like actually clean actually clean not just organized how long is that going to take realistically to do all of that including like you know putting all those pieces of all those games together and yeah i mean if i'm breaking it down into weekends which is when we would have the time to do yeah. it i would say we could we could get it done in two weekends if we were just focusing on that okay so you're like Saturday and Sunday, all day with a break for lunch or meals, it's taking you eight, 16 hours, 32 hours to do it. And that's fair. Mm -hmm. Let's say you, that's 32 hours, way too much time. You're never going to find it. It's mm -hmm. not possible. It's going to get put off and off and off and off mm -hmm. and off. But you don't want to not do it. You don't want to leave it in its current state. You want to, what is the minimum you could do to get that room more organized? We could take two hours on a Saturday with everyone working in there and get the toys organized, like put with all the pieces together and put in a container. That's you know, put that, like with the like. basic organization. Yeah, basically put, I, and I'm going to pull you back. I think the minimum is you could group all the toys, get them into containers by category, if pieces are separated from each other, you would not be doing that in those two hours. That's like a big job. That could take hours and hours, right? That's true. But everything has a home and, you know, people can find things. And if something is divided from its part, they'll they'll have to look for it on an as-needed basis. You think that's two hours. All right. Now, what's moderate? Well, if, the mod, if the mod is somewhere in between the max and the min, then it would be... You're going to group similar items. You're going to put them in containers. And, and what are you going to add? Oh, and you're going to clean. And you're going to, like, vacuum dust. Okay. Yeah, because as you're moving toys and putting them in containers and moving the containers 
around the room, you you can vacuum while that's in between that. You can dust containers. You can dust shelves as they're being organized okay. and toys are being moved around. Okay. So that could be maybe that adds another couple of hours, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you organize it all in the min, and then after everything is put away, then you clean. That would probably work. And at least you've gotten them in. And then with the extra time, you do the moderate. And you add it in. Okay. Right? And then it's contained. And maybe you do it in two different days. We're organizing on Saturday for two hours. And we're going to clean on Sunday. That makes sense. And if it's not perfect, even on the cleaning, it's okay. It's pretty good. It's cleaner. And it's organizer. Right? (laughs) Yes. Um, How does this idea of applying max mod min before you do anything help you and feel as a tool that might keep your perfectionism in check? I think it's something that I can use to moderate my thinking about it. I can stop myself and say, here's the degrees I can go to for each of these tasks. And especially when I'm feeling overwhelmed about a task that I want to do really well on, I can I can use this to step back and give myself options and give myself the choice mm-hmm. to say, this is what I'm going to put a lot of effort into because, or I can just do the minimum and that will be good too. So that's the very tactical, skill-based, big idea of how to contain your perfectionism around any task. Where our perfectionism can really trip us up is in the murkier area of relationships. After the break, that's where we're going to go with Rebecca. Before the break, I coached Rebecca in applying Max Mod Min to overcome her perfectionism on her playroom. Now, I'm going to coach Rebecca on how to change her perception of imperfect moments. Instead of thinking of those moments as catastrophes, I'm going to coach her in how to see them as opportunities to solve a real problem and model resilience. Are there any other areas in which you feel your perfectionism is limiting you or affecting you as a parent? I think it's also responding to my kids Mm -hmm. and the challenges they have. You know, that if I have the sense of I don't know how to handle this situation, that's very hard for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm always putting pressure on myself to respond the best way. But one thing I've realized about being a parent is that it's so much about managing your own emotions in response to them, which I'm like, I don't know how to do this, Um, (laughs) especially in the moment when they're having some kind of meltdown. So it's I I put a lot of pressure on myself in that respect. So you feel you put pressure that you should respond perfectly and with grace. And if they're freaking out, don't lose your temper back and just say the perfect thing back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Can you give me an example of something 
where very recently where you did not you were not happy with you know you just did not feel you lived up to your own standards of excellence and you didn't cut yourself any slack about it well my son's been having some challenges at school Mm -hmm. and it's required a lot of back and forth with administrators and teachers and so managing him I I'm always like okay I'm just gonna stay calm this time I'm just gonna like get through talking to him about this without losing my temper and that has not been happening so I Mm -hmm. definitely am not living up to that at all and I feel like nothing is fixing the situation and I'm definitely not doing the right things to fix it for him to get him back on track right Okay, good. Right, that's a good example. All right. So so let's just talk a little bit about, like, put a frame around perfectionism. Let's understand what perfectionism really is and what it serves. I actually think perfectionism is a kind of a um, security belt that if we get things perfect, nothing will go wrong. We can't be criticized. It's like we're insulating ourselves from any criticism perfect mm-hmm. it's it's a protection from criticism right yeah does that make sense yeah absolutely and then the, the so one question then becomes so if if you either can try to prevent criticism or you can learn how to handle criticism a little bit differently mm-hmm. which is so what if you're criticized so what if you're imperfect if you had a friend who told you the story that you just told me with a son who's having amazing struggles in school, there's a lot of back and forth. The problem is not getting solved fast. Mm-hmm. She's coming home from work and it's like you can't just sit down and have a meal. It's like you got to deal with all this and have this conversation. You got mm-hmm. an hour before everybody has to go to bed plus get their homework and she lost it. What would you say to her? I would say I understand why you lost it. That's a lot to deal with. And I, you know, that's not something one person can handle on their own. Mm-hmm. And should she forgive herself? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and it sounds like you're almost going into problem solving mode, which is you shouldn't be doing this by yourself. Like, yeah, that that, yeah. that the losing it is a bit of an indication of a problem that needs to be solved, not her son's problem, mm-hmm. but that she's trying to handle it on her own. That's an interesting way to think about it, mm-hmm. that it's two different, two separate problems, not just one person dealing with someone else's problem. Right. I mean, if you think about parenting as seriously it's a it's for the full duration of raising kids it's a series of problems to be solved Mm -hmm. I do think that if something doesn't go well it can in one way be a gift in that it's an indicator that something has to be fixed not just like if I will myself to be better then I would just stay calm but like you can't handle this all alone this is a lot so what mm-hmm. would you tell your friend she needs to do? Put this in the other person. Yeah, like it's it's a yeah. lot to handle. What, what would you advise? Ask for support. From? From the school mm-hmm. to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. From her community, you know, her friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like what kind of support could she ask for? Emotional support, Mm -hmm. just an outlet. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, like actual support from like the spouse with dealing with the school, taking on some of the weight of doing the work that it takes to manage, you know, the school relationships and, and the kid. Yeah. So you could come up with a program of like, these are some very practical things that mm-hmm. she can do, i.e. you, to build a better safety net to not think you can do this all alone because you can't. And you can mm-hmm. see that in somebody else, right? Yeah. And then what would you tell her on how to fix it with her son who she lost it on because she just didn't have the, she she hasn't set herself up for all the support that she needs. How could she repair that? Uh, talk to him, explain why, you know, she or I lost my temper and what I hope to achieve with him, you know, talk about his goals and my goals for him so that he understands why I'm doing this and, you know, why this is important to me so we can get on the same page about how we're going to work together to solve the problem mm-hmm. and not butt heads about the problem. Right. We need to get on the same page, right? So that's also getting his support so it's not this push-pull. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that I have learned from speaking to the experts is that demonstrating to your kids that you don't have to be perfect, that you can make mistakes and repair them, mm. is one of the best lessons that you can drill into kids to prepare them for adulthood, mm-hmm. right? Claire Lerner, who's a, a, a social worker and a parenting expert from zero to three, always says that these are great opportunities when you mess up and you're going to make mistakes every single day as a parent and you're going to make more than one. You just will. Like, do not think it's a bad day if you made a mistake. That's a normal day. You're probably going to make three or four mistakes a day. What you need to do is to model resilience and recovery to your kids and say, can we have a redo? That did not come out right. And here's why. Mm -hmm. But what I really meant to say is, gee, I'm sorry that you're still struggling with this. And I think I may need to get a little bit. we We need to bone up as a team and sort of tackle this together. So in that respect, you're messing up and like, oh, my God, I'm like trying to do this all myself and I lost it and I did not mean it to come out that way. And Mm -hmm. I apologize. And showing the repair actually demonstrates to your kid if they ever make a mistake, they can fix it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So role modeling perfection where the striving for perfection is not really the best way to prepare a kid for resilience as a grown-up. Before we end this episode, here's what I want to highlight. We are all perfectionists sometimes, and that's okay. But understanding that you have options that you don't have to be perfect in everything you do is an important mindset shift, especially for parents to make. You can and will make mistakes every day, maybe multiple times a day. And by owning these mistakes and making amends for them, like Rebecca will try to with her son, you model this resilience for your kids. 
Breaking the paralysis of perfectionism also helps you get things off your to-do list. Instead of doing that maximum for everything mindlessly, try to figure out what your other options are. What is good enough? Well, maybe you can do the minimum needed to get the job done. Or maybe something in between, something more moderate. Remember Max Mod Min to identify the options for any task before you dive in mindlessly. Finding a middle ground and opening up your options is a key way to break through a perfectionistic mindset. This has been the Time to Parent podcast. I'm Julie Morgenstern. My new book, also titled Time to Parent, is out now. Buy it wherever you get books or at the link in the show notes. You can find more information on my website, juliemorgenstern.com. If you like the show, please be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. We're looking for questions from you. Do you have questions on how you can balance your time as a parent? Email them to me at timetoparent at macmillan.com. This show is produced by the very wonderful and very bright Becky Celestina. Editing help from Alyssa Martino, Alexander Abnos, and Katie Ferguson. Thanks also to Tatiana McPartland, the wizardress of Julie Morgenstern Enterprises. She keeps me organized so that I can keep you organized. See you next week.